Hello, dear listeners of The Forge. I just wanted to take a moment here before we get started on this episode. First, to apologize. It's been a while since I have uh, done an update to the podcast. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. I've been busy. There's been other things going on. And as I've said before, I do this podcast when I have the time for it. Um, there have been some new developments that I want to share with my audience. Uh, long story short, you may remember that I asked for you to pray for me as we endeavor to plant a church. And uh, long story short, there is um, during that process, I became aware of another church who doesn't have a pastor. So here I am, a pastor without a church, and there's a church without a pastor. So they called me and I will be beginning this Sunday. I will be the pastor at Green Meadow Community Church in Helena. Green Meadow Community Church. It is a Christian Reformed Church. That is the uh, abbreviated CRC denomination. So it is a Reformed Church. And eventually, we're not in the position to do it right now, but eventually we are going to live stream our services. And eventually, uh, you'll be able to tune in there and hear the worship and the preaching going on there at Green Meadow. And it is my hope that eventually uh, you'll be able to see it on YouTube as well. And if not YouTube, we'll find another platform. All that being said, um, this is a recording that you are about to hear of my very first sermon at Green Meadow Community. It is from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 24, and then I skip down to verses 36 through 39. Acts 2, 14 through 24, and then I skip down to verses 36 through 39. This is uh, going to be a rough recording because uh, for about the first nine minutes and 20 or so seconds, we were not really aware of what was happening, so it sounds like I'm talking on a phone, on a phone line a little bit. That's what I would compare it to. And then after nine minutes and 20 seconds or so, it does clean up and it's a little bit easier to listen to. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there in the form that I have it. And um, I already know it's a rough recording, so you don't have to let me know that in the comments. I already know. Uh, but I am going to put it out there for your edification. And we ask that you continue to pray for us as we continue to work in the ministry that God has called us to at Green Meadow Community Church in Helena, Montana. Green Meadow Community Church in Helena, Montana. So thank you so much. Continue to pray for us here at The Forge. Uh, the Forge is not going to go away just because I am now the pastor of a church. In fact, I would look to see this particular aspect of my ministry uh, expand. So with that said, I hope you will find this sermon edifying. I hope that it builds you up and I hope that you remember the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two is where I will be reading from this morning. We're going to begin in verse 14, and we're going to read through verse 24. I'm 
going to skip a little section and then go down to verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. I wanted to take a moment this morning before we get into our scripture reading to introduce myself to you a little bit, tell you a little bit about myself. Won't take a long time doing this this morning. I did get to speak to some folks before service, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of my background so that you know who I am, and maybe even after the service we can get together and talk a little more and get to know one another a little bit more. I was uh, raised in a Christian home. I am originally from the state of Florida, and um, I joined the Air Force when I was uh, 20 years old after uh, making some not so smart decisions and kind of wandering and as some of you could probably uh, speak to or agree with, the military has a way of giving you some direction, a sense of direction and purpose and that's certainly what happened to me. One of the smartest decisions I ever made in my life was to join the military. I did not intend on staying there for 22 years, <laughs> but uh, I ended up making it a career and I am a retired master sergeant. And that's significant to my story because during that time, even though I had been raised in a Christian home, I began to live a life of compromise in a lot of ways, many ways. There was never a time where I doubted who Jesus was, always knew that he was my savior. I never questioned the reality of the Bible. I never wavered on that, but there was nothing in my life that would have reflected that I truly believed those things, just like in our call to holiness earlier. Um, I certainly was not living a holy life. In the late 1990s, a work of the Spirit happened in my life, and Again, I'm sharing this with you so you understand a little bit about me. You get to know me just a little bit. And part of what happened on that day that where the Holy Spirit really convicted my heart and really changed my mind and changed my whole life, it is part of the reason that I am now <laughs> in a Reformed church and I fully embrace Reformed theology, because I know that what the Lord did in me was not a work that I did, did not come from me, it came from outside, and God rescued me. So with that being said, that's just a very, very brief overview of uh, some of the things that happened. There are many other details that happened along the way. God called me into ministry. I began to minister in a, a non-denominational movement known as Calvary Chapel. Maybe you've heard of Calvary Chapel. And one of the things that Calvary is known for is verse-by-verse verse teaching through the entire Bible. A funny thing happens when you start to read Scripture verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, precept-upon-precept. Um, you become reformed. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. 
Dad told us that we don't have to be nervous so we can laugh. Okay? It's all right. So, long story there, but God uh, gave me the opportunity to go to seminary, and it was during seminary that I uh, met a particular professor. Um, I'm sure he has forgotten me by now, but I will never forget this professor. His name was Dr. Brian Moulton. He was a five-point Calvinist, and he began to challenge me. And uh, again, there's more to the story than that, but those are just some highlights of what the Lord has done in my life. I already introduced my family, but please get to know my wife, Tracy. Say hello to her. Uh, give her a hug or shake her hand. Um, and it's okay to hug. I'm okay with that. We can, we can give each other hugs. I know there's COVID out there, but come and give me a hug. I don't mind. I like to shake hands. I like to fellowship with the people of God. So, Again, getting back to our text today, it's going to be Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Hear now the words of the one true and living God. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, know him being delivered, catch this church, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, and it goes on from there, and we hear from David as um, Peter continues his sermon here. But I want to skip down to verse 36. Verse 36, and this is sort of the conclusion of Peter's sermon here in Acts chapter 2, and he says this, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is so important here. This is so good. For the promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off as many as the Lord God will call. As many as the Lord will call. I hope to show you through a study today of one of the Lord's disciples and the sermon that he gave that you're not so far gone that God cannot use you for his purpose. We're going to take a look at more than just this text that I read today. Now, the way that you are supposed to preach, and the way that a sermon is put together is you read the text, and then from the text you put together points, and a good sermon is an introduction, point one, point two, point three, and then a conclusion. And these are the things that they teach you when you're learning to preach. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. So we read the text, and there's a lot there, and I encourage you to go back and read Acts chapter 2 for yourself in your own time. We have the birth of the church here, but what I want to focus on, really, and I've entitled this sermon today, The Transforming Power of Christ, but we could also kind of give it a little subheading, Lessons from the Life of Peter. Lessons that we can pick up from this man of God. There's a boldness to him here in uh, Acts chapter 2 where he preaches, he proclaims the gospel, and it's so powerful. And listen, he presents the gospel using the Old Testament. That's all he had. They didn't have a New Testament yet. And so he's presenting the gospel using only what the prophets of old foretold about the Messiah. A question for you Christians, can you do that? If you didn't have a New Testament, could you present Jesus as the Savior using only the Old Testament? Only what the prophets had foretold about the Messiah. Could you do it? Now, that's a question for you. You don't have to answer it out loud here this morning. But be honest with yourself. And if you can't do that, I would encourage you, get into your Bible. Read what it says about the Savior. It's a good exercise for you. So Peter proclaims the truth of God, says that it's fulfilled in Christ Jesus, and it's such a powerful sermon that his audience says, what shall we do? They are cut to their heart, it says. They are cut to their heart. What shall we do? And he says, call upon the name of the Lord. Now that's my paraphrase. You can read it there. He says, repent. Believe the gospel. Come to the waters of baptism. And Jesus is mighty to save. The sermon here in Acts chapter 2 ends in a very victorious way. 3,000 people are added to the church that day. 
There's also a couple of great points in there that I kind of read over. I emphasized them about God's call and I dare say his election of the saved. It's right there at the beginning of the church. It's an amazing passage of scripture for you to read and I encourage you to read it on your own time and meditate on it. Imagine proclaiming Christ like Peter did in a world that's full of idols. There's pagan worship. Many of the things that Dan brought up uh, as he was praying this morning, many of those same things that we have in our culture today, it was going on back then as well. Except there were actually, in some cases, there were no laws. Slavery was legal as well as many other things were legal. Imagine going into a world of non-believers where there is immorality, there is hate, there is racism, there is political unrest. And even though this was at a time known as the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, just under the surface, there was political unrest. It sounds a lot like my world today. But this is the world where Peter was preaching. To understand Peter, I want us to take a look at some other passages of Scripture. My first point, I told you there was going to be three points. There was going to be an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. Remember I said that. So here's your first point, okay? Introduction is over. Now we're on the first point. First point, Peter's revelation. Peter's revelation to understand this man, Peter, and the sermon that he gave in Acts chapter 2, I want you to go back again. I'm going to make reference to this, but you can do this on your own time. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, we're going to hear that Peter makes a confession about Jesus Christ. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Listen to what happens here. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, hear this church, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, that means son of Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter gets spoken of a lot, and I've heard this, and you've probably heard this too. If you've been in church for any length of time, pastors and preachers and teachers, they kind of beat up on Peter. And they say things like, Peter always put his foot in his mouth. You ever heard that? Talking about Peter? Or Peter was always kind of impetuous, and he acted before he would think, and he did this, and he did that. You ever heard those kind of stories about Peter? I don't like to do that, having just said all that. I don't like to do that. I don't like to talk about these men, the apostles of Jesus 
we know the story of doubting Thomas, right? He's another one that we use. And we say, oh, well, Thomas doubted. When I look at Thomas, when I look at Peter, when I look at the other apostles, I see me. And if you're honest, you'll see you. So I don't like to talk about these guys because I'm guilty of the same thing, okay? And if you're honest with yourself, you're guilty of the same thing too. But Peter is someone here who has this revelation. And I want us to think about Peter today as someone who dearly loved the Lord Jesus, even to the point that when Jesus is on his way to the cross, you guys know this story? Peter says, no, Jesus, you can't go to the cross. You remember what Jesus said? Get behind me, Satan. He says that to Peter. Now, Peter may have been motivated for the right reasons, but what he said there was clearly off base because now he's preaching in Acts chapter 2 that this was all done by the purpose and foreknowledge of God. And so Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. So, I had the opportunity last week. Um, one of the things that I've been doing to kind of make ends meet, it's been kind of fun. Uh, you guys know what Uber is? Uber and Lyft. Lyft is another one. I've been driving Uber and Lyft. Last week I had the opportunity. One of my passengers was a Jewish woman. And one of the things that I love to do, in case you can't tell, I love to talk. So I'm driving along and she's in the back seat. We're talking and I told her that before I was an Uber driver, I was a pastor in a church. And she wanted to know, well, how did you end up here? You know, are you still active? Blah, blah, blah. And so we're talking. And I began to share with her about, now imagine this if you can, a Gentile, that would be me. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. So that's me. A Gentile speaking to a Jewish woman from Isaiah, talking about King David, talking about the prophets, her prophets, really, okay? And I'm telling her all these things about the Old Testament. And we were having a great conversation until I said something. And you could probably guess what it is. I said, Jesus is and was and is today the Messiah. All of a sudden, I mean, we could talk about Isaiah, we could talk about King David, we could talk about this and that, the weather, whatever. But as soon as I said, and I even prefaced it a little bit, I said, well, I'm sure you know by now, you know, as a Christian, and I even said this to her, you're probably going to disagree with me on this, but Jesus is the Messiah. And you know what she said to me? Rather sternly. Well, he's one of our best Jews. That's what she said to me. He is one of our best Jews. And then suddenly we were at the stop and she couldn't get out of the car fast enough. She really wanted to get out of the car. I wanted to keep her there, though, to be honest. I was like, hold on a minute. I've got a really good thought. Let me just finish this thought and then you can get out of the car. But my point is this, the question goes to her, 
Same question goes to me. Same question goes to you. Jesus asks even this morning, who do you say that I am? Because if your answer is anything less than you are the Lord Christ, as it proclaims here, you are the son of the living God. Listen, he's not one of the best Jews, okay? I mean, he was the best, but there's more to it than that. If that is where the definition stops, you missed it. He's not one of the best. He is the best. He is the king. I want you to notice here in this particular reference that I made, others were saying other things about Jesus. And I want you to notice that these are people who followed Jesus, not the inner circle, not the 12, but he had followers, okay? Of course, you start doing miracles and you give food to people and you start healing people, you're going to draw a crowd. And they were saying, well, he's John the Baptist or he's this prophet or he's that prophet or he's this or that or whatever. Notice that those comments are coming from people who were already, in a sense, quote-unquote, following Jesus. Second thing to notice here is that Peter makes a declaration You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's no other name. Listen, so important. There is no other name given under heaven by which men are saved. There's no other way. Christ is the way. And notice Jesus' reply, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Who revealed it? My Father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus said. See, Peter realized something of the Spirit. R.C. Sproul, who is someone who's had an influence on my life, never met the man. One of these days I will. Um, he's gone on to be with the Lord, as we say. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he stated this. He says, Peter's understanding was given to him from above, going beyond what he could have discerned on his own. I love what R.C. Sproul says. He always says what I wanted to say. Eventually, as you get to know me, you'll get my sense of humor. And you'll laugh and you won't be so nervous, like Dan said. So perhaps you remember that day and that time when God revealed himself to you. You could have been like me in church all your life. And you sort of kind of believed, and you went through the motions, and you did all the things. When I was a teenager, church, I won a Bible competition where you would ask, they would ask questions, and you had to answer the questions. Well, I didn't actually win it. I got second place, but not bad. But listen, none of that makes you a Christian. So I memorized some words on a page, but there was a day when the Holy Spirit got a hold inside here. And all of a sudden, I realized I have no case. Like the songs that we sang this morning, I have one plea and one plea only. I'm guilty and I need the blood of Christ. I cannot ever make it on my own. This is a revelation of the Spirit of the living God. This is what happened to Peter. 
to. Hopefully, as you're here this morning, hopefully and prayerfully, the Lord has revealed himself to you. Because it's very easy to fool our neighbors and our friends and our family and go to church and do all the right things. But in our heart, we can be far from God, far from him. Let that not be the case for you this morning. Point number two. So Peter has this great revelation who Jesus is. Point number two here, Peter's renunciation. So the Holy Spirit has revealed this to Peter. Now I want you to watch what happens in Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he, what did he do? Denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him, said to those who were there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth, but again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Watch what happens here, church. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he went out and he wept bitterly. We find this story is expanded in Mark, it's in Luke, and it's in John. All three, all four of the Gospels record this about Peter. Excuse me. There are times where <laughs> I, get, I get convicted <laughs> over the very thing that I'm trying to proclaim to other people. It's a, it's a significant thing that the four Gospels record the same event. They give... Uh, Definition, they give detail. One witness leaves a, a detail in that maybe one of the other witnesses did not have. And when you put all four of these together, you get a picture of what happened when Peter denies Jesus. And it's really significant because it shows what we call, and maybe you've heard this term, the harmony of the Gospels. There are folks today, theologians and scholars, and they are of a liberal view, and they want to come to Scripture, and they want to say, and they have all these really educated reasons why they've come to these conclusions, that that actually didn't happen that way. Or that when Paul is giving these particular instructions, especially when it comes to things like sexuality and marriage and things like that, um, he didn't really mean exactly the way it is printed there. And let me give you all these reasons why. And they want to get rid of Paul, almost erase him from the New Testament. 
But one of the cool things about the harmony of the Gospels is you can't do that. You can't erase it because you have four different witnesses. And when you get into it and you start to study, you see that one adds to the other and they support one another. And there's a reason that we call it harmony because they are in perfect sync. They fit hand and glove together. One of the things that you'll find as you read in the other passages there is that Peter decided to follow Jesus. The Bible says that, and and just to set this up in case you don't know what's happening here, this is the trial of Jesus where, where Peter denies him, okay? So they're going through this mock trial. The whole thing is a sham, and they're going through it, and they're breaking all kinds of their own rules, and they're putting Jesus on trial, and a little girl comes up to Peter says, I think you're one of them. And he says, no. And he denies the Lord three times. It's significant that it says that he begins to curse and to swear and that he took an oath. And I've read commentaries on this particular passage and they say, well, the reason they said his speech betrayed him is because he had an accent. You know, they talk different, just like we, you know, I ain't from Montana, in case y'all hadn't noticed, and I can talk Southern if you want to hear it, okay? I have an accent, right? Well, they had accents back then, too, right? And so I've read commentaries where they say, oh, it was his accent that gave him away, and they knew he was Galilean, and blah, blah, blah. Maybe. That could be true. But I tend to think that when Jesus comes into your life, he cleans up your language, And there's things that you used to say, and you don't talk that way anymore. And so to prove that he didn't know this man, he begins to curse and to swear, to show he's just one of the boys. That's what I think happened, and it's recorded in Scripture. I don't know the man, and I'm going to swear to prove it. You can't follow Jesus at a distance, and that's my point. He is following the trial from a distance. Another thing that comes out in this, the Bible says that he was warming himself by the fire. Whose fire was it? It was the enemy's fire. We have no business following or attempting to follow Jesus at a distance and warming ourselves by the enemy's fire. Listen, they got nothing over there that you want. No matter how it looks and how warm it feels, you don't need to be over by the enemy's fire trying to follow Jesus from a distance. You will deny him if you associate in that crowd. Peter denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times. Question for you, church. Are you afraid? Are you discouraged? Have you said some things that you should not have said concerning our Lord? Have you done things that you shouldn't have done? Even as a Christian, even as a Christian, if you ask a non-believer about churches or about Christians, what do you think is one of the most common things that we've all heard? They're all hypocrites. You ever heard that? So here's the good news. (laughs) God restores. God forgives. Let's look at point number three about Peter. Peter's restoration. Peter's restoration. 
Anytime somebody tells me the church is full of hypocrites, you know what to say, right? Come on in. We got room for one more. Just come on in. I'm just like you, and you're just like me. Come on in. We got room for one more. Peter's restoration. Notice what Jesus does here when he restores Peter. He says, you're going to feed my sheep. John chapter 21, verse 15, beginning in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, here it is again, son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you, were, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will guide you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he spoke signifying the death he would glorify God, with the death that he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Peter did follow Christ in the end. Peter did follow Christ. And even though Jesus foretold Peter's death, Peter went the distance knowing that he was going to die for the cause of Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us how Peter died. There is a book, some of you may be familiar with it, Fox's Book of Martyrs. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, it records that Peter was crucified, and tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. I treat that kind of lightly, to be honest, because it's not in Scripture. And if it's not in Scripture, it is what it is. It's a tradition. It's not a mountain I'm going to die on. But I do believe that Peter died for the cause of Christ. He was killed because now he proclaims Jesus to a lost and dying world. Note the boldness of his preaching in Acts chapter 2. This is what comes with being restored in Christ. Note the power and the conviction which came with his message. Note how he quotes the Old Testament, Joel and David. It was so powerful that those who heard the message were cut to the heart, and they asked, what shall we do? Peter called out to them to be saved from that perverse generation. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but we are living in a perverse generation. A perverse generation. But I'm not discouraged. I'm actually, I was talking with um, 
Ruben, Pastor Ruben down in uh, Bozeman uh, CRC. Does anyone know uh, Ruben? Okay, nobody up here knows. Well, he knows you guys. And he was raised in Bethel, and he's praying for me this morning. And he's uh, preaching down in Bozeman. And we were talking just last night about this. Christ is king. And the light shines bright in the darkness. Am I happy about some of the things I see going on in my culture and my society? No, I'm not happy about it. Don't misunderstand me. But I know that Christ is king. If you've ever gone hunting or if you've ever heard hunters talk about hunting stories, if you get an animal cornered and that animal's in the corner and they feel that their life is threatened, that animal will fight, fight like crazy because they feel threatened and they know death is close at hand. I believe, I actually believe this, that many of the things that we are seeing in our society, in our society today is the last gasp of socialistic liberalism, I'll just say it, and, and the idea, communist ideals, anti-Christ ideals. Why? Because the animal is cornered and it's fighting hard. But Christ, Christ will be victorious. Christ is victorious. His church is victorious today, right now. And so, am I happy about some of these things? No, I'm not happy about it. But I know that Christ is king and he's going to win. And there's not a single thing that's going on that did not pass through my Lord and Savior first by the foreknowledge of God. So, what we are actually feasting on here this morning in the Word of God is in part because Peter followed the call of Christ, he was restored, and he fed the lambs. And we read his words. Now, don't misunderstand, just because I said Peter wrote some words down, okay? It's still the Word of God. He did it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I had someone call me on that one time. I said, you know, Paul says this, or Peter says that. And they went, well, actually, you know, it's God who said that. It's inspired. Well, yes, it's inspired, but he used human authors. Is everybody on board with me? You understand what I mean if I say Peter said this? Okay, good, good job. So what happened to Peter? The answer is this, and here's my conclusion. You thought I'd never get there, but here I am at the conclusion. What happened to Peter? What happened to Peter? Here's your answer. The transforming power of Christ. Jesus took a flawed man and empowered him with boldness. Can God restore you? Yes. He can. And that's not just a campaign uh, uh, (laughs) slogan for Barack Obama. Yes, we can. Yes, he can. Yes, Jesus can. Would you resolve to serve Christ by the power of the Spirit today? Would you resolve to love more, to share more, to give a witness to the power of salvation in your own life? Will you watch how you speak to others in the faith family? Watch the tone that we use with those who are to be our brothers and sisters. We are part of a faith family. I need to watch how I speak to you 
and you need to watch how you speak to me. We're supposed to love each other. <laughs> that's okay. You don't have to laugh. <laughs> God restores. That's the point. And he alone is the one who can bring back the years that the locusts have eaten. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is even speaking to you right now. Listen to me, church. The past is gone. You can't do anything about it. The past is in the past. Same thing happened to Peter. The past is in the past, Peter. You can't do anything about it. But feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. It is Christ who transforms. Our God forgives. Our God restores. Would you join with me as we pray together? Father, we, we thank you so much for the word of the living God. Your word, Lord, that has been preserved for us and for all time, for it will never pass away. We thank you, Jesus, for your victory. That knowing the pain of the cross, that you pressed on, Lord, for the prize that was set before you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would deal with our hearts, not just this morning, but deal with us every day, Lord. That we would not deny you. That we would not say, I don't know the man. That we would not swear and take an oath. But Lord, that we would proclaim the gospel with power. God, give us that power. Transform our hearts. Transform our minds. Make us holy and completely your servants. Lord, as we do the work of the ministry. In this community, Lord, in Helena, whether it's Helena, whether it's Three Forks, whether it's Bozeman, Lord, or even our brothers and sisters down in Bethel at Church Hill, Lord, that we would reach out into our communities and be a blessing to them for the cause of Christ. We thank you for this all. In your mighty name, amen and amen. Let's all stand as we prepare to leave to serve our God. Let's sing hymn 490 out of the gray hymnal. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Let's sing it together. Jesus is the answer of all the
Above a million. 